This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we've got my friend Roman Tomkiavon. He is a loving husband, passionate hospitality entrepreneur, real estate investor, and an Ironman. Hey, Roman, how are you doing? Awesome, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming. And we met at our meetup, so I think that's a, always just a great place to meet people is to go to local meetups and see what's going on in your area. So thank you for coming to that too. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. That's, that's a really the best, especially if you're new in the area, that's the best way to go. Just find your local meetup. Boom. And like from knowing zero people in the new town, like you, you, you can, you know, get to know five, 10, 15, 20. So hundred percent. Those, those are the great places. And yeah, thank you for hosting that. Yeah, I know. We like that for the exact reason. It's just a good place to meet people with similar interests. Roman, before we get started and get too far in here, most important question, what is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Uh, it's probably more since now I'm, I'm married and we'll get to it. So it's not my, it's like ours, right? Like my wife's and mine. So it's yeah. called Estelle's. Uh, it's more like a lounge cocktail place. It just has a great interior inside it feels really cool and has you know they have good appetizers and drinks so it's from that standpoint but from the cuisine i'm a i'm a, like a mediterranean middle eastern guy i love hummus i love you know the kind of kebab and halal and all those things so definitely definitely more on more on that side but check out the estelle's it's it's a cool place absolutely i'll need to check that out i've actually not been there so roman uh how did you get involved with real estate investing and how are you involved with real estate investing right now? Oh, it's, I guess there's two sides and I start with the one, because again, I'm uh, in this, in, the, in, in here in the States and in, in the United States, because again, I'm, I'm originally from Ukraine. And like oh. my initial experience go back to probably 2006 or seven when I've done some deals back home with my dad kind of right before the whole 08 09 debacle but here in the states uh it's 2017 and again kind of bigger pockets right mm -hmm. and it's probably way overused but yeah you know podcast brendan turner i started with a house hack um but i started with a maybe now more traditional back back then it was i got a duplex mm -hmm. i love those right you live in one unit kind of rehab the other one rent out and then do the rehab in your own and then after a year kind of move out and get another one. So that's kind of give you the, the 30 second background. Mm -hmm. And I think from that standpoint, I just kind of fell in love. I like that it's tangible, right? That it's, it's something versus just, you know, as a stock market or like crypto, like this, these things are not really, they don't really exist <laughs> in, in nature, right? Like with real estate, it's, it's tangible. You can see, you can feel it. Uh, from the valuation standpoint and not something like you'll wake up in a day or two and the thing is down 20, 30%, right? Real estate doesn't really, you know, crash 
in prices overnight. So I think all these aspects, um, then again, plus we can talk about it, depreciation, appreciate all those benefits. So, but I think the big one, I just happen to like an architecture, right? I love the design. So all those aspects do what real estate has, and there's different flavors of it. You know, you can do long-term rental, short-term rental, flipping, building, developing land, right? So there is a cool way of finding what, what matters to you, what you like. That's awesome. So did you say you had done a few deals in Ukraine? Oh yeah, I still away? own. I oh, still really? own. It's it's um we were building, but again, it was me easier because my dad was there. He was like building, I was pretty much sending money. Mm -hmm. Uh back then it was it was kind of approaching the 0809, but it was kind of happening here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as bad in Europe, but then about a year in, everything in Europe collapsed, right? Mm -hmm. So we kind of we had a good time in and now. Obviously not with the war and everything, but still looking back, I'm probably, I don't even know, 20, 30 X because it was, it just, back then it was everything so cheap. Um, just to give you the perspective back then, though, like the, the, their local currency was one, it was $1, you get four local currency. Now for $1, you get like 38, right? Mm -hmm. So just in that alone, like you can kind of, you know, added plus inflation plus the war there's and real estate is real estate right and the thing back over there they build everything from cement and brick and concrete they don't really do you know plywood so everything is pretty much just a castle and it's gonna stay there for centuries right so there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of again i don't know if you've been to europe everything's yeah. so you know you can tell things been sitting for like hundreds and hundreds of years and people live in them and it's, it looks perfect yeah, I've had clients from other countries as a realtor that say like, hey, why, why do you guys use wood here? It's so silly. It, it burns. Exactly. It, it wears faster. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Why not use concrete? And I'm like, you know what? That's a great point. But I don't have the answer to that question. Yeah, we do like commercial, right? Like the high rises. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, you can't really use wood. I think wood is up to either four or five floors, right? Then it just doesn't make sense from from the foundation standpoint but so, so yeah i've been kind of i'm curious about this so you have properties in ukraine still right now oh yeah yeah because um all my family's back there so it's mm -hmm. all but luckily they're on like a western side about two hours from poland so there's no you know and they live in like a city there's no really art there's no uh what do you call like the army infrastructure right there's no it's all civilian type infrastructure there's nothing really you know to kind of target so it's pretty pretty safe and stable but obviously it's impacted us from the economic standpoint um but yeah you would be surprised like i was talking to my dad last week and it's like no still people buy like life goes on right like and i think it's a good thing like it's you, you can't just obviously yeah there's a war but stopping like life goes on right things happen. people go to school you know you go get a work get a business so i think it's a good thing and you know even real estate's still strong people you know buy people get married so so all in all it's not as horrible as mm -hmm. as might seem you know from from kind of thousands of miles away yeah I, I have no idea what life is actually like on the ground in ukraine so you 
you've got some properties in Ukraine. What do you have in Ukraine right now? And then we'll go to like coming to America and what you started doing here. Yeah, it's more off. It's more commercial. Like we own like a four story. So there's a bottom more like a gym. Then there's like a bank. Then I think it's more like a little kind of like we work. Right. So they have run like little rooms and then on top, similar setup. So it's been pretty, yeah, pretty stable. Yeah, a lot of the small businesses, but the best one is the bank because they have like a five year lease. And every month they pay you with inflation adjustment. So it's like, so it's never the same as inflation goes up, they pay you that increment. So uh, for example, I forgot the numbers. So if you rent out, you know, with the hundred, let's say it's a 10,000 a month. Now it's probably 20 or 25 because with inflation and everything goes up, you at least goes up. Right. So those are really sweet, sweet deals. And again, it's, Primarily, you'll get them with big institutions or like big corporations that they can't do that, right? Like small mom and pop, they can't really afford that. Um, yeah. So and then and then another more bigger one, it's I think it's about what ten thousand square feet. It's it used to be it's kind of commercial mixed use. Mm. Um, it just for some reason again, markets are so different. It makes way more sense to do that versus getting like a single family home because it is never it's not going to cash flow. Because the supply and demand is just so out of whack with a lot of you know, Ukrainians, they work in Europe and they basically send money and buy homes. And like the rent, for example, you know, the two, three bedroom apartment could cost you like more than a hundred thousand, but the rent could be like three or 400 bucks. Right. Oh, wow. So the numbers, the numbers just not, and the whole culture, people want to own. And I think Europe, That's it's good. just, people want to own. There's another like rental market. Because again, people tend to stay in their cities from when they, you know, born, go to school, college, work. They they don't really travel as here in the States. Because we travel, you know, if you have any adventures, boom, another job takes you, you know, no time to just pack up and leave. And then you're rent the place and you, you know, figure it out what you want to do. So it's a different, different market um, than Europe. So but the business works much better because business they have money and it's similar similar kind of noi um calculation that's here what is a, a typical and we'll move on after this what's a typical cap rate for a building like that in europe in ukraine specifically sorry hey guys this is jordan moorhead here and i wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me if you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about austin real estate investing and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Oh, it's definitely going to be higher because with the risk and everything, definitely more than 10%, uh, like a 10 cap. Really? Because so you what's, have... What's higher on the risks side? It's just instability in general. Like, it's inflation. There's, again, there's, there's so many moving pieces. Currency, right? Like inflation, because everything's coming from Europe with Euro and the US, and then you have local currency. Plus, obviously, you added, you know, that before the war was still some instability. So you always see see that kind of instability. And there's not really, I guess you can still take them to court and everything, but like it, people tend to figure out without going through the commotions and everything as far as contracts, uh, contracts go. So just, I think it's, again, it's like those emerging markets, everything get, you almost get the, at the premium because it's just not as stable as your, you know, European market with 
It's funny. I heard like in Switzerland, we used to work together. They have a hundred year mortgages and the rates like one and a half percent to one percent. Right. So talk about risk. It's it's probably non-existing. Right. Yeah. But prices are, I think, two X or three X then here. That's why you need a hundred year mortgage. Mm-hmm. to make payments to to make you know so you can afford that property but again i don't want i don't think i want to give my kids a mortgage and then have their kids pay the same mortgage right if it's 100 <laughs> years <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah we sure have it good here so when you moved to the states roman where did you first go i know you're it was you're jersey to austin oh you moved to jersey yeah wow. we moved so i came back in 2000 i was just I just graduated high school, so I went to college, went to community college. So it was um yeah, Addison, New Jersey. Went to Rutgers um, uh, you know, for my business school, like undergrad. So it was kind of always in and then moved to Connecticut. So I've always been in that New York area until 2019. Mm-hmm. Kind of perfect timing, right? Right before COVID. Yeah. Um, I got an offer with with the Bank of America in Charlotte, because that's where they headquartered. So that was, I spent like, again, COVID hit and I was like, all right, I just decided to travel because I could work. I worked remotely. So I traveled probably, and that's actually first time I drove through Austin. It was 2020, July 1st, I remember as of today. Mm-hmm. And it was like super hot. I was like, holy crap, man. It was like 105 or 106, right? You can only be in the shade. You can't be on, you know, outside under the sun. So that I really loved it. I got to run by the water. So I really like all those. It kind of looked futuristic. It's like if it's a new new city versus compared to, I mean, New York's probably not a good example, but more something like established like Philadelphia, like those older cities mm-hmm. uh, versus more all brick and concrete. This is was all glass, all tech companies, a, a lot of young people. I was like, I kind of fell in love right there and then. And, you know, who knew that basically three years after that, we'll move in here full time. Hmm. Yeah. So you were kind of traveling around the country. And then where did you settle after that? Because I know you moved here in 2022, right? Last year, basically. So then I settled in Denver because we bought, I bought like a mountain house outside of Breckenridge because that was, again, my goal. I wanted since I was still working, I was like, okay. I have a W-2. That's the easiest way to get, you know, mortgage or a second home. It was a second home at the moment at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like a 10%. Back then it was still three and a half, right? Looking back, it's it, it's a deal, right? So I bought that and I figured, okay, I'm going to settle in in Denver. Again, just being, you know, close to, to my property and kind of we enjoy Denver to see how it, how it feels and, and then Denver, and then we spent about a year and a half, and this opportunity came along with opening my kind of my territory as a short-term rental management business, and here I am in Austin. So, but it's been probably through forty different states, and Austin, it's definitely number one from weather, you know, economic environment, business, people, just hits a lot of boxes. So, def- Austin is a is a great place to be. Yeah, I always tell people from just the the atmosphere, the people that are around you in Austin, you just can't beat it, especially if you're interested in business and growing as a person. There's so many growth-minded individuals. There's so many people trying to get in better shape, trying to start a business, trying to get to financial independence, whatever it is. 
there's somebody trying to get better at it in Austin. It's really not a city where people are just happy staying stagnant and staying still. Everybody's trying to grow in some way or another. And the more people doing that, it seems like the more people want to do that, which is awesome. And it, and it feels like probably, I don't know, you know, you've been here longer. Every person I meet, they not local. They not from here, right? Like it's, and I think that's another drive as you're in a new city, like you want to grow, you want to learn, right? Like it's not, I think it's just that kind of having that growth mindset, mm-hmm. even starting like for a person to move to a new city, that's already progress, right? So I don't know. I mean, how many people you know that like stay where they are, went to school, get a job, and they're afraid to move because, or it's my family is here, all my roots are here. Or, I don't know, you know, what I'm going to do in that other city. I think there's only a, you know, again, five to ten percent of people that actually take an action to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very uncommon that people leave, especially once they get to let's say college age. And they've got a job and they've they've started a career somewhere. They've been for a long period of time. It's scary. And I understand that. Um, But yeah, I I could just imagine how different it would be to leave continents and come somewhere different. Yeah. So, so Roman, what, what initially got you interested in real estate investing at all? So it sounds like you've kind of been in it for a while, but where did that first bug idea come from? I think it started like, again, personal development. I call it, it's my second birthday. It's went to Tony Robbins. Oh, wow. And then in UPW was in Newark, New Jersey. And it was, as I remember now, it was July 22nd or 20th. It was that kind of Sunday to Monday. It was it started Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like a four day. And then on the Monday, and you like, I came out a brand new, brand new person as far as my big aha was like, I'm not free, right? Like I, Went to school, I had, you know, like a Wall Street job. I thought that's what I wanted. But then I realized, holy man, like this is like, this is not where I'm going. Like I'm not free, right? I'm just climbing that ladder, but that's I'm climbing on the wrong side of the ladder. That's not what I wanted to do. And obviously, kind of expose myself to again meetups in New York and then bigger pockets, just that I, I started to see different people, like what they do, like and they business owners and 90% they were all in real estate or own some form of real estate that gave them that passive income. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about your W2. Like you can live off of that. Like, so that was my main, like, oh yeah, I want that. That's kind of the vehicle I'm going to use. And then additionally, kind of from my Ukrainian experience, like I know it works because my dad pretty, pretty much lives off that uh, income hundred percent completely because wow. he retired. Right. So I already had that evidence like that it's working mm-hmm. and like now seeing the people, the new people around me are doing it and they were like much younger. I was like, man, it felt like I wasted like 15 years of my life. And, but whoops, what was most frustrating, I went to, you know, uh, undergrad, went to business school. Nobody talks about it, right? Like, no, they don't, they don't teach you. Like it's all around. Okay. Come here, get your education, get a job, and spend 20, 30 years doing that job. And who knows what's going to happen after that, right? Nobody talks about, you know, that passive income. You, you're building your, your wealth so you can, you know, either pass on to your generation or just enjoy that that more passive um, kind of lifestyle. So that's that was like I was almost angry, like at that point, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Like it's it's like it's just stuff you don't know. You don't know. And then you're like, oh, my God, boom, aha moment. And then I was just all in. 
So, and then we bought a mobile home park. It was just, and when you were like that excited, you were like going on in and you'll figure it out later, right? Like looking back, I was like, holy crap, I took so much risk, but it was kind of calculated, but it was a lot of the new, right? Like I knew it's going to happen. Like, for example, I bought my duplex and it was kind of cash flow, but it was a house hack. And I got into this, you know, construction project. I had zero experience. So it was just, I was pretty much, you know, learning on, on the fly. So it was, it was fun. Definitely was uh was fun experience. Yeah, I think it's real funny how you say that you found all this out and you're almost mad because nobody ever told you. And I think that's just our education system. It teaches people to be employees, not entrepreneurs, and it doesn't teach you to build a future for yourself. I talked to a guy today, I talked to people every day about real estate, and he said, Hey, I got interested in house hacking because I realized that. I don't get to determine how many vacation days I have. And I, I really don't get to take a vacation when I want. So by by building wealth and building passive income, it's as simple as that. I can determine when I take a vacation. And if somebody wants to try to fire me over it, it's not a big deal. It's, of course, you're going to be upset, but you're not going to be, you, you won't be stuck. You can't not do that. So I think it's so important to, to look out for yourself financially and not just rely on working for 40 years at the same company or just working for 40 years in general and getting social security and maybe getting some, uh, you saved up a million dollars in your Roth IRA over time. Like that's not going to be a way to live. A million dollars in a Roth IRA will help you survive, but you're not going to enjoy your life. And that's only after you've worked for 50 years, 40, 50 exactly. years. That's terrible. That's an awful. And that's what we promise to people. We say, oh, if you max out your Roth IRA every year, in 40 years, you're going to be in a position where you could stop working. Never mind, you're going to be in such bad shape because you're, you're deteriorating physically. Everybody does that you're not going to be able to do the things that you wanted to do back when you started working. And Maybe you'll have a few good years left. That's a terrible promise. I cannot believe that's something we're sold. This is the way to go. Alternatively, like you've been saying, you can, and, and I understand why you were mad finding out you weren't told this because I think everybody feels the same way. This is so amazing. You could buy real estate. You could buy a property every year for five to 10 years. And you're financially free and you can determine when you take vacations you determine when you go and where you go and how you do it. And rather than working for 50 years, you just put your head down for 10 and you're in an amazing spot. And it doesn't even take that long for some people, but I think 10 years is an easily achievable path to financial freedom for anybody out there. Yeah. And again, it's all, what does that mean for you? Right. It's probably different for everybody, but yeah. Probably getting to the point how much you're making your day job, you can match that, like, I'm sure in less than 10 years. Um, again, it's all mindset. Like, it's it's like I, I didn't even know that was possible, right? Like, if you don't know it exists, it's possible. So you don't even think about it because you just, there's no way for you to know it, right? And I think that's what we've been programmed as a society. Um, I mean, and it, not just here in the stat, I think globally, right? If you look... Yep. Like it's everybody look at, you know, Asians kind of like work, 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 work. Like it's all about, you know, the worker bees and, 
and only like that one percent or half a percent like they kind of know they run the system in a way right it, everything's been set up think about from like industrial age people were at the factories that that's what they're doing and i think back then the the working week was like a six or even seven right it wasn't 40 40 is just a recent phenomena people used to work six days you know maybe 10 out of 10 10 or even more it was mm-hmm. you know you look back at all those um like brooklyn movies from the 20s like or even 1800s like all the people were doing just working there was no such you know financial freedom type thing oh yeah and that's where so much of our society comes from is the industrial age of in those nine to fives and like you said, that was when we got it under control. That's when there was labor strikes and labor unions where they got it down to nine to five. But that's still taught and instituted today that we're mostly knowledge workers as a whole anymore. I would say that the large portion of the GDP is knowledge work. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to work nine to five. And for some reason, we're still doing the nine to five schedule and you get several weeks of vacation a year and some companies are stepping outside the bounds of this, but you don't really want to wait for somebody to give it to you. You should probably just go out and do it. And an easy way to do it is real estate. So I think you and I can agree on that one. Yeah. 100%. Um, why, so I know you talked about Austin for, you know, you just really like the atmosphere. You like the people, you, the weather's great. Most of the time, uh, July and August, it's a little hot. Yeah. Um, what are you up to here in Austin, Roman, and with Casa Go? And, and really, what are you working on right now on the real estate investing side? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. So it's... It's kind of again the niche of <clears throat> I'm building the the short-term rental management company. Mm-hmm. And basically what kind of part of part of the cost of I bought into the franchise model, right? So and it's a little bit different than you know what your traditional one. It's again, it's my business. I'm just basically partnering them with them with all the kind of brand and software and all the tools, bells and whistles. So again, think of us, you know. Um, Airbnbs, VRBOs, and I have clients, these second homeowners, right? Folks live in Houston, Dallas, and Hill Country. And for listeners that are not familiar, it's basically west from Austin, always goes all the way to like Fredericksburg, which is like old German town. So that's a lot of wineries. Um, it kind of reminds me of like Southern California with all the hills. Mm-hmm. Right? What? from you know either houston dallas it's just not as flat right it's a d- different climate like different landscape so that's why they call it like hemp country and it's a lot of people come just kind of hang out and vacation and food and drinks and shopping um so kind of my why this market piqued my interest and why we picked it again is just being close to the city like austin right you have access to air like again for me personally i wanted to be in a big city enough so it you know, at least a million plus population, have a good growth, um, international airport, all those. And again, close by to bigger cities like you have Houston and 
and San Antonio and Dallas. Um, and obviously good regulations, good, awesome quality, like quality properties. Like if you're familiar with Hill Country, there's, you know, medium properties, say to 700 or 800, right? Those are all awesome. And then average probably million and a half to 2 million. Those are awesome properties that, you know, by managing them, there's a lot of revenue that we can, you know, offer to the property owner and then keep keep as a percentage of, of our fees. So it's definitely kind of hit all the boxes from regulatory perspective, easy to do a business. There's stuff to do. So it brings tourists, you know, like my guests to the properties. And then there's enough of good quality inventory for investors to kind of go in and, and buy and just for general and just a wealthy, wealthy area to be in. Yeah. So you, know, you say hill country. Are there any specific cities that you're heavier in, heavier, heavier in than others? So I'm kind of starting out again. I've been six months in. So mm-hmm. kind of starting out with Dripping Springs is obviously I live like 15 minutes away. And as, as we as we start here, ideally when you get by the end of the year to kind of go to Fredericksburg, because that's kind of the ultimate Mecca, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think it's about 2,500 like vacation homes as, as we speak. And they always grow and they're adding like 50 new wineries. Uh, plus with this recent phenomenon that's going to happen with the solar eclipse in May, in April, they, they just they expected like thousands of thousands of people are going to come and again, discover the area for themselves. And once they discover, like, oh my God, I want to come back, right? So it just it's just going to be more and more growth. And obviously I want to be part of that growth. Um, and, you know, that's again, compared to other markets, as I was doing my research, you know, Florida's California, all the kind of coastal. Again, a lot of there's already well-established companies there, so this market feels you know a little bit untapped. That I can kind of come in and take bigger, bigger pie. And I think as Austin continues to grow rapidly, like it is, it's they projected. I saw an article projected to be the third largest city in the U.S. by 2100. And yeah, that's a really long time, but that's just telling you how fast the city is growing. And I think as Austin continues to grow, there's going to be people that want to get a little bit out of town like that. And you can drive an hour or two and be in some great hill country areas. So that's a lot of fun. Look, I don't know if you've been dripping springs. Even that, I was talking to locals and people like, it's already like expanding, right? So it feels like... So now the people that live in Dripping Spring that are originally moved, they want they now want to move further out, like Johnson yeah. City, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So it feels like it's just a matter of time. It's it's it'll get connected with Fredericksburg. Similar as you see, we're approaching Austin to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Like that's just it's that area, it's you know, New Braunfels, it's all gonna merge soon, inevitably, right? It's just yeah. it's an awesome metric to be in, right? Like kind of being traveled around the country it's it's a good place to be from again and the big sign is you have all the tech companies investing billions and billions of dollars and that's mm-hmm. a good sign like they obviously look in you know 5 10 15 20 years out when they do their expansion um planning so it's you can't go wrong with that even though people say oh my god it's too populated saturated but it just it just it is what it is right like change um, cause I hear, I don't know if you're I hear, especially from locals here, that's, they always complain, oh my God, Austin's not like it used to be, but listen, like New York, it's not like it used to be right. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 
So it's kind of hard to, to complain, especially if you don't want to change, right? Like it's, I've noticed people that don't want to change, wherever they go, everything's going to be bad, right? Because they have to look inside. Like if you're willing to change, then you're going to grow. If you want to kind of stay stagnated, like every wherever you go, it's going to be bad for you because it's, you know, it's all up to you. Yeah, even just looking at other big Texas cities, Austin is not, you know, it's nowhere close to Dallas or Houston. And just looking at those, you can see where the growth is going to happen and continue to happen is even since I've been going to Dallas, you know, uh, frequently over about the last 10 years, I remember when Denton was, uh, you know, just some, it felt like some small town outside of Dallas. Now people in Dallas are going up to Denton, you know, so about an hour from downtown Dallas, but we, we will continue to grow that way. Yeah, it will take time. Yeah, it's going to feel like it's getting too big or it's way bigger than it's ever been. But over time, people get used to that and becomes the new normal. So I think it'll be okay. Yeah, you just live, you know, I kind of live on the south. So I don't really go to like Round Rock, right? Like Pflugerville, right? So it's just you kind of tend to stay in your area. And if you need to go, you can go, right? It's just yeah. whatever whatever works for you. And again, it's all, it's all in comparison. And especially people, new people, like, gonna come to oh my god this is awesome right because mm -hmm. they don't know how it used to be so it's yeah it's it's i wouldn't even bother with what what people are saying similar with like california right everybody's saying oh my god california everybody's fleeing when they go to california talk to people like dude what are you talking about everybody's wants to be here everybody's coming here right so yeah it's like who do you listen yeah there's always gonna be somebody saying everything's awful somewhere so can't listen to them um, Roman, you've invested in a couple different asset classes. You've invested in a few different markets. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate investing that you could think of? Uh, I wouldn't say mistake. It's more not thinking bigger, I would say. And maybe being a little bit of kind of taking taking higher risks, but more again, calculated risks, right? I think that's um, maybe like stepping back or maybe not partnering to get a bigger deal because at the end of the day, you know, perfect example with Mobile Home Park, like there was five of us, like they were probably never, I would have done it by myself, right? So I took that kind of leap of faith, partner up, but that was, again, it was the best experience we've ever had with with the, because it's again, it's totally different animal, like with managing, dealing with tenants. Um, so I wouldn't say like a mistake. And obviously, probably the, the in the beginning, I was put offers on the stuff without properly analyzing mm -hmm. just to get a deal, right? And maybe, you know, knock on wood, I I was, you know, protected by getting to some some crappy deals. Um, so I would definitely recommend of do don't rush just to you know sometimes people say oh just buy something you'll kind of figure out right you want to get get in the game but be really careful you know not being too aggressive again to something then you can't get out because if you do then you can get burned and you're like you know what screw it this real estate thing doesn't work for me and then you'll just never going to be in it right so I would say do more analysis talk to us that has experience versus just, you know, blindly going on your own and thinking either, even though, you know, even that calculator is pretty neat, bigger pockets, like just still run by other people and like 
figure out why you want to be in, in specific market versus just, oh, I saw a post, post. They say this is a cool, hot market. Let me go analyze deals there, right? Like, this is, okay, why, you know, this, like maybe it's, it's it makes sense for them, but why does it make sense for you to go to that market? So I would just add, do more due diligence and analyze more before kind of putting offers in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I So I invest in Louisville, Kentucky, and people always ask, well, why'd you pick Louisville? And why it makes sense for me is because I'm actually from Louisville, Kentucky originally. My father still lives there. My best friend from grade school is now my business partner still lives there. I know people all over the place. So I invest in Austin, but the other market I invest in is Louisville, Kentucky. But the reason I invest in Louisville, Kentucky, because I know so many people there, I know the city like the back of my hand. I lived there for 21 years. It's just not as simple as, hey, I saw Louisville was good, so I went there. Or, hey, I saw Austin was good, so I went there. I always tell people, have an, an advantage in markets you're looking at. So if you're interested in Austin, do you go to Austin frequently? Do you know people in Austin? Are you moving to Austin? That that can really help, but it's hard to invest in Austin if you're from California. And you you kind of alluded to it, but the market, a good market can cover up a lot of mistakes. And we just went through like a really, really good market. And people really got lucky in a lot of sense. But that's just not a fundamentally great way to invest is just to get lucky. It's, it might not get lucky. Yeah, 100%. It's like saying investing for appreciation. That's not that's not a strong fundamental. Like that's, yeah. That should be your you know, bonus, but not the, the core. Like if you say, I want to break even, that's just, then in my mind, it's much better goal than saying well i'm going to lose but i will appreciate it, right just be honest okay if it's a break even then it's break even mm-hmm. you'll get your tax you know um kind of some sort of deductions and then appreciate but yeah don't don't i wouldn't even um kind of factor in appreciation my in my analysis it's just something yeah. if it happens it's awesome but if it's not just don't don't even look at that yeah it's a good bonus like you said um and I, you you sort of answered my question here already, but I just want to see if you have any sort of different answers. If you had to start over today, would you do anything differently other than go bigger faster? And I think that's an awesome answer there. But is there anything other you would do if you said, hey, I've started over today with nothing? Uh, I'll probably get my real estate license like from from day one and just get 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 involved in it and and just be like be master my market right like be the guy and then that comes with knowing the market you'll know the people you know the deals the owners like just i would i would i would do that like i would probably even i mean i learned stuff in college but i would probably like why after i would just get that real estate license and just just do the kind of the stuff that works yeah like you don't you don't have to create a wheel just you know, there's a proven method and just go and do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what, uh, a, a benefit of having a real estate license is you could, let's say you're cold calling sellers to find deals and you, you find a deal that just doesn't work for you. You could try to sell that deal. You could try to sell it to somebody else. You could try to list it. 
whatever it is, but it it does give you a little bit of ability, especially if you also want to work as a realtor. I think it could be a great marriage to be a realtor and a real estate investor when you're doing both simultaneously. So good piece. Yeah, of I agree on, on that marriage because I know some folks like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. There's you know, the regulations and something like wholesaling you can't do. But I think you're really missing out that bigger portion that allows you to grow. And it gives you, it almost gives you that stamp of approval, like right in the general population. If you're, hey, yeah, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent versus, yeah, I'm just a real estate investor. That's that's good. But like, you know, you, you can build your business being an agent and real estate investor, right? Like those two kind of go hand in hand. Like look at, uh, you know, KW. I mean, you're with KW, like mm -hmm. that's the all agents and investor, right? It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It only benefits. So it always, yeah. always definitely counter, counter that. And it's me. I tried that. I was in Denver and, you know, you, you know, I was uh, on cracks, curl ups team. So I tried mm -hmm. that. I thought it was, ah, oh, being agents, like, right, it's, these people are over, overpaid, man. Like, what do they do? <laughs> but like being on that side, like, oh man, it's a, this is a hard work. Or like just getting a license. I think I had to do it three times because I, national was easy, but then the state, I was like, damn it, man. I want, you know, I did business school. Like this should be a piece of cake. Like, what are we talking about? I'm like, no, yeah, it took me some time to, to figure it out and pass. Yeah. So it's, it's, it takes takes hard work and then dedication and consistency to be, uh, and especially if you don't if you don't enjoy it, it's it's going to be harder to do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because if you don't enjoy it, it is a lot of work, and it's a lot of work very full time. I mean, there's sometimes yeah. where you might have a thirty hour week, but there's sometimes where you might have a sixty or seventy hour week. And if somebody's calling you at 8 p.m. about something or somebody's reaching out at 7 a.m. about something. So and you, you need to be on call for that sometimes where if your client's calling at 8 p.m. or 7 a.m. or 8.30 a.m., you don't just get to not answer because it's not business hours. Or sometimes you really do need to talk to these people right away. Roman, you know, with, with your very varied experience, what are your long-term goals for real estate investing and where do you see yourself going? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quick, I wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. I like the hospitality space, right? Like it really, it really gets me. I'm definitely short-term rental, but like hotels, I, I'm kind of learning researching more about um kind of like the boutique hotel space but also like hotels in general because i think those are the two different animals one is more all the loyalty loyalty programs right like the ozio franchise kind of more and more established revenue stream because you have that kind of clients from different businesses but on the boutique side it's just you know you get to do what you want to do you can it almost like think about it as like single family home and multifamily. So I'm thinking the same way as like short-term rental and then hotel, because you can like have every room could be different, right? You can have a different experience. So it's just cool, cool things you can, and especially here in the hill country, you can do like a resort, right? You can do all those, you know, um, casitas or all those little tree houses. It's just that just cool space. 
And then once you start getting to that level, it becomes, you know, as an NOI, not just as a single family home, right? Like as far as valuation. So I think I like that perspective, either building or value add, and then you can build wealth from that standpoint. So I definitely enjoy enjoy that. But also like passive, like I, I know I own a couple like um, syndication deals as a limited partner. Mm. So those are also good from from you know more like on uh i have like a solo 401k account so i use that for those for those vehicles just kind of be a little bit diversified but definitely staying in that hospitality space it really kind of excites me because again it's just it's active and then I, that's why i enjoy the moment there's a lot of you know dealing with guests dealing with with kind of you know industry in general and because it's really very dynamic from regulatory standpoint to different softwares, different kind of cool places, you know, you get to travel. So I definitely like the space. Yeah, I like how you talked about being diversified within real estate too. Because I think of myself, I'm similar in that respect that I have some passive investments and I have a few different kinds of active investments, but you really, you don't have to stick with just one thing. And especially when you start getting into the passive side of things, it doesn't really take any more energy to invest in different asset classes. But the hospitality space, it can be very interesting. So that's cool that you're interested in maybe scaling up into small boutique hotels too. That's fun. Yeah, no, I like that. Again, it's it's the real estate play with that hospitality management component, right? Because it's easier to get SBA loans. There's just so much. So they, you know, they get it. Like they understand hotels, right? Versus so like STRs, right? There's still traditional banks don't really, they don't understand. They all apply long-term rental to value them, right? They don't really look at like your Airbnb um, kind of revenue. Cool. So you mentioned that you owned a mobile home park at one point in time with Five partners, is it right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. We were in um, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, cool. So, would you just buy the part? Is you still have that? No, we sold it. So it was. Uh, it was twenty one summer twenty one. It was. Um, yeah, we bought it. I believe twenty eighteen. It was. Uh, yeah, it was a heavy like value add. Hmm. It was really like seller finance because they 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 couldn't get financing. So we bought it, we, you know, uh, paved the roads, brought some homes, really, really got it. I think we were like at 55 and then we, I think we got it almost to 70. Um, so it was, um, yeah, and then I lived in Charlotte at the time. So I would kind of probably go every quarter or so, mm-hmm. just kind of check on it. Um, so yeah, talking about dealing with tenants and, and getting a call from tenants, right, that's a, Totally different, different animal as, again, as those folks are truly, you know, living on fixed income, either, again, their social security, mainly social security checks. Some folks worked at, you know, like at the McDonald's or some, so it really gives you kind of perspective of it's, it's, yes, it's a real estate, but we're really providing housing for people, right? Then you start looking, oh man, this is like, we're really benefiting the community, by owning, like, think about it, it's like 70 homes times three. It's like 200 people. It's like a small village. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's, it gives you like, you know, some proud, like, oh man, like, yeah, these people, like, because of us, we, we get to provide uh, housing for them. So that was a good step up from, you know, 
having a house hack and doing some like real estate deals to like we actually you know provide value for the community yeah it's affordable housing too i think that's such a big thing with mobile home parks is they're so affordable and a lot of those people you know people talk about oh maybe the homes depreciate or maybe they can't move them that easily but you're not going to find any housing affordable that anywhere else well i think what we would show like if it's a 450 dollar rent if they get 1200 1300 a month i mean right it's a third of their pay like the, there's and you get like it's a two bedroom it's a decent i mean it's probably some of those homes are bigger than you know apartments in new york city mm-hmm. like so you're you know, yeah, talk about affordability. Like, yeah, you can't you can't go go better than that. Um, and again, they it's a separate, right? They don't live in an apartment. I think that's another selling point. It's a house, right? Like they that's what they like. They don't want to be in a in a building with other neighbors. So that that way they have some privacy. Yeah, I love it. They got their own lawn. Roman, do you have a favorite book that you like to recommend to friends? Or- People that are interested in maybe short-term rentals. Uh I well, I have two now because I just I'm reading one as it's really fascinating. So the first one is Cashflow Quadrant. Mm. Kiyosaki. I know everybody Good. talks about rich, poor, dead, poor, but I'm more on the cash flow quadrant. That that was a high moment for me when he talks about being that employee, self-employed, and over to the business owner and investor. That was like a high moment for me. Like as I'm kind of moved over from that employee to being kind of that business owner slash I'm still kind of Mm self-employed and, you know, dabbling in an investor. I think what what he talks about when you invest or when you invest like hundred percent full time. So we can talk, you know, Warren Buffett is is an investor, right? He's, he doesn't really operate his, his company. So that was solid, solid book. Again, mindset, like takes you from the, the employee, the business owner and now i'm reading it's called 10x is easier than 2x that's oh kind of great book blows my mind as like every i'm like oh my god like again it's one of those makes me frustrated and mad of damn <laughs> like right like it's 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 just so good even though it's not a lot of new content but the way he puts it like it's just and again the big one i like because he has what 40 years of experience with coaching like top entrepreneurs and that comes from seeing what works seeing how they think you know so it's like that's like manual if you want to be successful in like 10x your level of what you're doing especially in the business space that's you can't get better than that right so that's my my second um in a short-term rental space um i don't know there's a there's a lot of i think again i'm more into management right so i'm managing properties for for others Mm -hmm. i think there's a a lot of like hey how do you buy your first property right there's just pieces and bits there's not like a good course uh or good information and i kind of put a plug and i'm actually working on a course that's going to specifically focus on how to get your management clients right like focusing on the pure management versus buying your first kind of airbnb or short-term rental property um so but yeah, I hope I answered answered your question. No, I, I love the uh, cash flow quadrant. I love 10x is easier than 2x. I'm actually reading that right now myself. Um, yeah, Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan are so good at that stuff. And each one of their books just somehow keeps getting better. So this one's amazing. Absolutely love it. 
Yeah, I finished. I have a gap in the game. I'm happy That's to a finish. Is uh, be I'm actually be your future self now. That's like, like I think it feels like you you got to read those two before you read ten X. Yeah. Really kind of build build on those, and then as you're again adding with the miracle morning with your routine goal setting, again it's it's this whole, but it's it's a journey, right? So you were asking me how I got in. It's that was 2017, and I left my W two in 2021. So it took me like good four years, mm-hmm. and COVID definitely helped, right? I I was part of that great resignation movement. Mm-hmm. Because it forced me out of my comfort, out of like out of the office, and I work remotely. And when I left, when I quit, I was like, I was on the road anyway. So it didn't really, it wasn't like, okay, Friday I was at the office, and then Monday I'm not going to go in. Right. There was no habit. I broke that habit while back when the COVID started. So it was just much easier for me to leave. And then I was busy with my, you know, real estate and the management. So it was kind of easier for me to leave. And I remember when I kind of started this journey, I was asking all the kind of entrepreneurs, like, so how do you know when to leave? Like, how would you know, right? Like, trust me, you'll know whenever your job starts interfering with your business, you'll know that's the time to quit your W2, right? So pretty much that what happened. So it's it's interesting how, like, again, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just, just kind of follow somebody who is successful doing what you want to do, and you'll, you'll get there. Yeah. And I was thinking about that the other day about how COVID, COVID was a blessing for a lot of people. It just shook things up. It changed so much so quickly. And it was absolutely horrible and terrible for a lot of people, too. And I want to fully acknowledge that. But for some people, it was like, hey, why am I still doing this thing? Why don't I go do a new job? Or why don't I start a business? Or, you know, maybe I'm going to any other thing you're thinking of. Maybe I'm going to start investing in real estate now. It was really good for those things, but it, I don't know that that would have happened for so many people if COVID wouldn't have sped them up. It was like a reset button, right? And I think if it if it were for like two, three, or even six months, everybody would go back to their normal. But it was what two years or like two and a half. Yeah. And again, different industries are different. I was in corporate. So we weren't allowed to go to the office, right? So you're literally like had to stay. So that was that was like, okay, you know, why why am I doing like right? It's just to your point, like you said, why am I what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Right? You start questioning yourself. Maybe I, there's something else I can do, and I don't want to go back to the office because I've enjoyed my lifestyle. I don't want to go back, right? That was my COVID hit. I was like, I gotta find a way not go back to the office. That was mm-hmm. kind of my goal because. You know, I was living the dream, right? Traveling, you know, I lived in LA for three months, then like Colorado, in Dubai. I was like living the dream. So it was like, you can't put me back in a cage, right? Like there's yeah. no way. That's cool. That's really cool. I want to hear about Dubai some other time, but we're kind of running out of time here, Roman. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? If people are interested about Casa Go or just your experience in the hospitality industry, what's the best way for people to reach out? Uh, I'm, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm kind of staying in those channels. So I'm, I'm kind of, there's only, I think there's only me, Roman Tomkin. There's no other. Um, so it's it's easy to find me. Mm-hmm. Just, just Facebook, LinkedIn, those those work. Do you have a website for Casa Go? Yeah, you can go. You can, yeah, they can go to costico.com. It's more like a general 
but then if the the fine markets uh they can do like north hill country it's like my specific i'm actually working on a separate kind of my local uh website but like for now i'm using the bigger kind of the the whole franchise uh with all the different destinations that we have that's cool um so you're roman tomkiv on facebook facebook and linkedin, LinkedIn. Um, and i'm on instagram as well if you're if you're uh, put my name. I'm I'm more on the Roman underscore hospitality underscore expert. I know it's long, but I kind of stuck to it. Okay, that's on Instagram. So Roman underscore hospitality underscore expert on Instagram. Yes. Um, of course, I, I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram. Roman, thank you so much for coming on here today. I uh, can't wait to see you at our next meetup here at Duke. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan. Likewise. Yep. Talk to you soon. Yep. Yeah.